Let's take our Bibles, please. Turn back to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We were there this morning, and uh, Brother Judge, I'm going a different direction. So um, we're moving the Sunday night Bible study that we started. I only meant to do two or three of those and then move them to Wednesday nights once we concluded our Acts study. And so this Wednesday night, Lord willing, will be the end of our Acts study. And then uh, the following Wednesday, we'll pick up on the Continue series on Wednesday nights, all right? I was planning on doing that tonight, and the Lord has been... I've been sitting up here all night just struggling with uh, another message. And um, it's something that uh, I told you I've been studying 2 Timothy while we were gone and before that even. And uh, again, I would, I would challenge you. Uh, it, it's likely, it's likely because of, uh, because of that, the Lord will give me a couple more messages out of there. And so I would encourage you to go home this week and read chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. Read them right start to finish in one sitting. All right. I, I, you say, well, it's, it's hard to understand. It's difficult to, to read. That. I don't read that quickly. Uh, trust me, the more you read it, the better you'll understand it. Just keep reading it and just keep reading it. And the Lord, will, the Lord will help you understand it if you ask him to. And the Holy Spirit will shed light upon it. And uh, I, I just keep tripping over these little phrases in the Bible. And a couple weeks ago, I talked about the spirit of fear in, in chapter 1. And this morning about ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. But this evening, I look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'd like to emphasize, if I could for a few moments, verse 5. <clears throat> Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Let's read verses 1 through 9, and we will pick up the context of this. And I, I, I don't know if you were in here this morning or not. Some of you were maybe in nursery or where have you, or maybe you weren't here this morning. And I give you a little bit of context of the book. We know that Paul is writing to, the, to Timothy. Timothy was a church organizer, if you will. Paul was a church planter, and Timothy would come along behind him and ordain elders and deacons. We read that in 1 Timothy chapter 3, that that was his primary job. I believe, uh, just by reading the scriptures, that I, I believe that Timothy was getting discouraged. Paul says, I'm mindful of your tears. Paul was writing from a Roman prison at this time to Timothy, and I believe Timothy was discouraged, and he had the spirit of fear, and he says, God had not given us the spirit of fear but of love and of power to sound mind. And uh, Timothy was struggling. He says, you need to stir up the gift of God that is within you. Later on, we see that as, as Paul would progress in this letter, he'd encourage him about being a clean vessel, but walking in the grace of God and staying close to the Lord. And uh, how many of you understand tonight that all power comes from the Lord? We are nothing but vessels. And Paul said this, that, that he would keep himself under uh, a subjection uh, that the power of God, the excellency of the power of God may rest upon him. And he has this treasure, he said, in earthen vessels. Imagine, and I, I, I'm kind of mashing a few different ideas of Paul together there, but think about this, what Paul is saying as we look at the broad scope of his, of his letters and his work is that he is beyond privileged and honor that God would take this lump of clay and pour into it his Holy Spirit and use it for the furtherance of the blessed gospel of Jesus Christ. What a wonderful blessing. And so Paul is saying to Timothy, this ministry thing is a wonderful thing. Not because we, uh, listen, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be honest with you. Not because in the ministry we deal with each other. You understand what I'm saying? 
He said, well, ministry is so wonderful because I get to help Kevin and I get to help other people and I get, I get to be a blessing. And there are times where that is a blessing. Pastor Axler, how long did you pastor in Brantford? 22 years. Wasn't always a blessing, was it? Sometimes you run into some hard people. Sometimes you run into some hard times. Sometimes there's some visits you got to go make you just rather not make. There, there's some conflict and there's some abrasiveness and there's some troubles that, that brew every once in a while. Hey, listen, as long as we are living in this world and living in this flesh, Satan is going to have his time every once in a while. That's why it's so important that we walk with the Lord, not just individually, but as a church, that we keep our focus on Jesus Christ. And listen, if, if people are burnt out on ministry, maybe you're in a, a ministry tonight, a Sunday school, a bus, or you, you do some ministry in the church, if you're burnt out, listen, it's not because of Christ. It's because we're looking at the reward or the people or something else. Paul said in Hebrews, I'm looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. And that's where our focus must always be. But in the ministry, Paul warned Timothy, there's some people you're going to run into. And he talks about them in verse 1 of chapter 3 that we, we read this morning. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. All those things are happening without natural affection. Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded. Boy, this one really jumps out at me. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. Heavenly Father, help us as we seek to understand this brief passage of Scripture tonight in the time that we have. We pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. Help us, we pray. Move in our midst and speak to our hearts. Lord, I need your help. Lord, I just feel provoked to go in this direction tonight. And so I pray that, Lord, I'm trying to be obedient. I pray that you would honor that and, and, and give me the words to say. Fill me with the Holy Spirit of God. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. When I look at verse 5, I see it as a kind of a summary statement of all those previous verses. All those things that we read about and all the characteristics of the people living in these last days. And some are quite obvious to us. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. We can see that pretty clearly in our society today. There's no shortage of ego, no shortage of human pride. We see covetousness. Covetousness is desiring everything, trying to accumulate our own personal wealth. The idea of helping others is secondary to making sure that I have as much as I can and I've canned all I got. Putting away for a rainy day, and even though a rainy day may never come. Boasters and proud go hand in hand. Blasphemers, those who talk down of 
the, the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ and those who uh, are, are an affront to God. Disobedient to parents. Oh, what a generation we live in. Unthankful and unholy. On and on we could go. But in verse 5, I think he puts this label upon all of them. There are some who are traitors, and there are some who are high-minded, and there are some who are lovers of self, and there are some who are covetous, and some who are pride, but I believe all of them have this in common. They have a form of godliness. That scares me, and here's why. Because these people that have a form of godliness, or they appear to be Christ-like, are traitors, they're heady, they're high-minded, they're covetous, they're boasters, they're proud. And I think, oh, my soul. Does that mean that some that we call brothers and sisters in Christ, who we look at them and say they are wonderful Christian people, are really described in those first four verses. They're just playing the game. They're just playing church. I think if we're honest with ourselves, and I'll freely admit, there's times where I have a form of godliness, but I'm guilty of some of these crimes. I believe as Paul is warning Timothy of these perilous times, he's not speaking of Christians who occasionally sin. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many of you tonight can say, yeah, I I sin. I mess up. Daily, I, I have to go to the Lord and confess my sins and get things right with God. I don't believe he's talking with those who are in that internal struggle that, that, that they're trying to do what's right. Like Paul, Paul says, the things I should be doing, I'm not. And the things I shouldn't be doing, I am. And oh, I'm a wretched man. I don't think he's speaking of those people. I believe he's talking about a condition that overtakes society. Perilous times will come. One of the things that we enjoyed as we traveled, I think, was when we, when we got to Amish country. How, how many of you have ever been down there? Down, beautiful place. Gorgeous farms. And you could, you could take those rolling hills and you could see six, seven, eight farms scattered out. Just gorgeous, always white buildings and perfectly manicured fields and just their fences were just right. And it just, it just kind of took you back to a little house on the prairie or something, you know, really, really nice. But one of the things I like when you come through it's like places like Missouri, with the Ozark Mountains, we were in the Appalachian Mountains in Pennsylvania, and as you're coming through those mountains, you'll come in above a town. And do you know what you see? You see all the steeples towering high above the tree line. Monuments to the past. Let's be honest. They don't build churches like that much anymore. And 
Most of those structures would be 150 years old and they'll tower into the, into the sky, especially those, those mid-America type churches that are solid white granite with the big steeple and the big cross on the top and, and monuments to a time in the past where they preached the gospel. And they might have been a Methodist church or a Baptist church or a congregational church or some other Bible preaching work and you know that people were saved and the altars were filled and the the altars were stained with tears. It was a, a different time. But today we see those same steeples and all I can think is there's a form of godliness. There's no power left. I'm kind of dovetailing with this morning's message. Would you pray that we would never be one of those churches? They say, oh, that'll never happen, Pastor. All it takes is one fall. All it takes is a mistake, a leadership issue, a deacon board issue. Listen, all the forces of the world are fighting against this building tonight. All the forces of the devil are trying to destroy it. Do you think think Satan likes that we still have Sunday night services? Do you think he likes that we meet at all, that we preach the gospel? He might be okay if we just kept it inside these walls. But do you think he likes it that we send buses out to pick up little boys and girls? Tell people about Jesus and bring them in and put a sign out the road that says, hey, we have a special day planned. Would you come? We're having a barbecue. We're inviting people in. We're doing whatever we can to get people under the sun. Do you think Satan likes that? And all he's doing is just waiting for you to trip, waiting for me to trip. And then a roaring lion, he seeks whom he may devour. Do you know what a lion does? Have you, have you ever seen one of those shows where a lion is stalking a, a herd of antelope or something? Do you know which one they get? When they're all running away, it's the one that falls down. It's the one that falls behind. It's the one that trips. And he pounces. Satan can destroy a work so quickly if we're not walking with God. What I'm saying tonight is we don't need a form of godliness. We need a genuine godliness. We need a holiness, a righteousness. And I'm preaching to myself tonight. This this scares me to think that these same people who are uh, without natural affection, who are and listen, by the way, any any person that is a member of a church tonight is nothing better than a sinner saved by grace. I get that. That's what I am. I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God. We are nothing better than anybody else. I I understand that. But what I'm saying tonight is he's saying there's some people that are sitting in our congregations and people that call themselves children of God, people who call themselves Christian and they're lovers of themselves and they're prideful and they're full of natural affection and they're truce breakers and they're incontinent and they're fierce and they're despisers and they're all these things, but you don't know it because they have a form of godliness. Oh, God help us. But there's no power. There's no power. Lord, help us. 
You say, how, how do we change that attitude? Could I encourage you a little bit from this morning's message? This, this book is God's holy word. I believe that. Tonight, you just need to say, I am what it says I am. That's where we start. I'm no better than it says I am. So I read a quote the other day, and I, I can't remember it word for word. It says something like this. Don't worry when people talk bad about you. You're much worse than they really know. That's true. I am what it says I am. We have a form of godliness because the truth is, we are a lot of those things at times. But we have to try to keep up appearances to impress everybody else. I don't want anybody to think bad of me. I wouldn't dare go to an altar because if I go to the altar, pastor just preached on sin and people will think I'm a sinner. God already knows you're a sinner. And, and if you say, Al Fury, you're a sinner, I'll second the motion. We just have to get honest. And say, where, where is this coming from? Brother Hilton and I have been working together on a, I, wouldn't, I don't know if call it a project, what we call it. But some churches that are struggling. The two churches had a falling out with each other. What a shame when children of God can't get along. And I'm here to tell you that in this neighborhood where these two churches are, there are five churches in the region, all within relative close distance to each other. And you would say, well, that, that's not wonderful. They can fellowship together. They never talk to each other. Never. They must have some great meetings together. No, not a thing. Children of God who can't get along. And here's the stark reality. Brother Hilton and I were talking, and we believe in the next couple of years, all five will be closed. Would you guess, maybe some will last a little bit longer, but a couple of them right now are on the verge of closing. Because of bitterness, and dealing with these issues with one another. They said, so what is their problem? Here's their problem. They have a form of godliness, but they have no power. The power of God isn't there. Well, aren't people getting saved? Why would people get saved when the power of God's not there? How can people be helped? You might go to the church and, and be encouraged and, and say, boy, that was good preaching today, but it doesn't affect our hearts. When we come to church, even at Bethel Baptist Church, we hear the preaching and, and, and we say, oh, that, 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 that was a blessing. That was, wasn't supposed to be a blessing. When we open the Bible, it reveals to us who we are. And every page says you are lost without Jesus. And you're playing a game. You have a form, a form of godliness. On my phone, 
I don't have my phone. On my phone, if you were to open up the screen, you'd see a picture of my wife. And she's making a kissy face. I know, you thought she was more dignified than that. <laughs> she even pulled down her mask. She had a mask on. She pulled it down, took a picture of a kissy face and put it on my phone. You say, well, do you kiss the phone? How many of you think that would be absolutely ridiculous? You walk in my office, I'm sitting there kissing my phone. Do you know why I don't? Because it's just a form. It's just a form. A form of something is not the real thing. It's not authentic. It's not real. If we want to be a powerful church, we have to be real. And that means dealing with our sin. That means getting some things right with your brother. Some of you came here to worship today, and you've got out with a brother. I'm going to say this on the authority of the Word of God. You are out of line. You are out of line. The Bible says you got to leave your gift at that altar, and you got to go and make it right with your brother. That's our responsibility. I, I, you say, that's not easy. No, it's not. But I tell you what, isn't it much easier being right with somebody than it is seeing them down the hall and going the other direction? Worried about you're going to run into them at the grocery store all the time? I'm not aware of any of those issues that exist tonight. I'm, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is I never want to get to the place where we're just a form. A powerless form. We might as well just put a picture of a preacher up here. We might as well just put cardboard. Did you see during COVID, you watch a ball game on TV, they had cardboard cutouts of people. in the. You could actually pay for it. You could send in $50, and they put your picture on a cardboard cutout and put it in a... Good night. Like, you're making $30 million a player. Why do you need... We might as well do that, though. If, if we're just going to play the form... But a form is powerless. Because we're just lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. God help us. I, I, I didn't mean to tear a strip off anybody tonight. That's not my intent. I'm not mad. I'm scared. I'm scared. I don't want to be that church. I don't want to be that church. You say, well, you know, a couple of those people in the church, that's okay. We can, we can tolerate a couple, for of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins led away. You want to lose your daughters? That's what these fakes, these phonies do. They come and steal our children. Lead them away after the lust. Can we commit tonight, we're not going to be a powerless form. But we want to be the living church of Jesus Christ, filled with the Spirit of God, holy, clean vessels meet for the Master's use. That's what he asks. Oh, it's, is it easy? No. No. It's going to take putting away some of those things. It's going to take a real commitment to God's Word. It's going to take a a revival of our own hearts 
to get back to the word of God and say, I am what it says I am. And I need Jesus daily. And I'm going to pursue him. And see how he can transform my life, make me what I ought to be. Heavenly Father, help us. Speak to our hearts tonight, we pray. Move upon our congregation. God, let revival start. Pour it out upon us, Lord, and help us, Lord, to quit sitting still all the time when our hearts are moved, but let's make decisions and let's start acting and obeying the Holy Spirit of God when he speaks to us. And Lord, the Faithman Quartet sings a song, I'm tired of being moved and not being changed. That's the condition we find ourselves in sometimes. God, speak to us and move in this invitation, we pray. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand tonight. Their heads bowed and eyes closed. If God has spoke to your heart, I plead with you, do business with God tonight. Would you pray for our church? We do not want to be just a form, just some steeple in the sky that says we're a monument to something that we really are not. God, help us be what God wants us to be.